Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us. We would love for you to fill out a short digital connection card so we can get to know you just a little better. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, it is good to be with you on this Sunday, Hope Church, and I have the privilege today to lead us at the end of our service through um, joining together as one church family to take of the Lord's Supper, also known as communion. And um, Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament, wrote the majority of the second half of the Bible. He writes about Jesus, the first time he led his followers and modeled for his followers how to take communion, how to take what we now call the Lord's Supper. And this is Paul um, writing about the words of Jesus. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So at the end of service, we are going to take a form of bread and a little cracker, and that cracker is a symbol of, it represents the body of Jesus that was broken, that was bruised for us. This Friday, we will remember Good Friday, the day that Jesus died on the cross And we remember the body that was bruised and broken for us. That is signified and symbolized by the bread. Jesus goes on to say, in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are today remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us, and when we drink the juice, that reminds us of, it symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. We just sang songs about the blood of Jesus Christ, and so the focus of today's message, the body broken and bruised for us, but the blood Here's my question. Why is the blood of Jesus Christ such a big deal? Why do we sing about the blood? Why is Christianity such a bloody message? For some of you who are here today, we're singing about the blood, and you're like, this is kind of weird. Why are we singing about blood? And Christians, you just have to recognize, because sometimes we've been following Jesus for so long, we don't even realize it's weird to sing about someone's blood. Why do we gather and sing about people's blood, Jesus' blood in particular? And uh, that's the question that I believe our scriptures are going to answer by the time we're done. And just in case you're like, man, I did not come to a service today to hear about or to talk about blood, I want to give you a couple reasons why I hope you pay attention. A couple reasons why this message, I think, actually maybe applies more to you than you think it might. Here's my first burden, my first concern. 
naivety to the power of the blood has resulted in captivity to the lies of the enemy. Naivety to the blood's power has resulted in many of us in this room, whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not, naivety, not knowing, being naive to the power of the blood of Jesus has resulted in us being captive to lies of the enemy. What are these lies that you speak of? Well, let me just share one of the lies, and I'm, I call it a burden because it really is a concern. I am deeply concerned that there are many people, Jesus followers in particular, but if you're not a Jesus follower, I'm concerned that you have bought into this lie as well. I am going through something difficult because God is punishing me for my sin. Have you ever been there before where you connect a current difficulty, struggle, pain that you're going through and you connect it, God must be punishing me. I have this mental anguish. I have this depression because God is punishing me for X, Y, Z that I did three years ago, five years ago. I'm having difficulty finding a job or difficulty in my financial situation because God is angry at me for the way in which I parented, didn't parent, for the ways in which I was irresponsible for the sins of my past, and now he's punishing me with financial problems, with health problems, with relational issues. It's punishment. How many of you would say, that's a hard way to live, to constantly be connecting your difficulties in life to some past sin I don't know about you, but if you have that relationship with God, that could be a, a stressful, fearful relationship. And I've personally had to deal with this lie over the course of my life. I've told you guys before that my wife and I, for the majority of our marriage, for all of our marriage, we wanted to have children of our own. And some of you have been so kind to pray for us and and, you know, and I just got to let you know, she, she had to have a, a hysterectomy during the pandemic. And so we appreciate the prayers, but throughout the pandemic, she had to have a hysterectomy. So now we can't have kids naturally. But let me tell you, we have had to struggle. We've had conversations with, is God not allowing us to have kids did he bring cancer to you because we had sex outside the covenant of marriage? We had sex outside the covenant of marriage, and that is why now God is angry and he's punishing us, and now we can't have kids. That's a lie. That's a lie, but it's a lie that I've believed. It's another lie I've believed. Remember, I told you about the fact that I had a cornea replacement surgery last year. I put up the picture of my eye. You guys remember that? You want me to put it up again? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It's nasty. It's disgusting. It's gross. Why'd you do that to us, Ed? But let me tell you, if I'm being honest, as I was in pain because of my eye and wondering, would I ever be able to see out of my right eye again? And I bought into the lie at times 
because I've allowed my eyes to look at things on the internet that I have no business looking at. God is punishing me by literally taking out my eyesight. And I share this with you, Ed, why are you putting all your dirty laundry out there? Because I know I'm not the only one who has been captive, captive. Can I just say, if you came to church, I, I, can I just, I did not come to play games this morning. Is that okay? There's just no time. There's no time to play church. You are here and many of us are here. You're a follower of Jesus, but you are chained to lies that the enemy whispers into your ear that this is happening because of this sin and you are this way because of that sin. And I'm here to tell you today that the blood of Jesus has something to do with setting you free from those lies. Here's the second lie. The worst thing I've done or do is the truest thing about me. You ever believe that lie? The worst thing I do, my anger problem it's the worst thing about me, so that's who I am. I'm just an angry person. I've cheated. I'm just a cheater. I've lied. I'm a liar. And I've been there as well. Pride. Ego. Selfishness. It's so much a part of, of who I am. And so if I'm not careful, I just believe in the lie. That's who Edward is. Self-absorbed. So much so that I'm talking about myself during this message, right? Oh my God, this guy's so <laughs> full of himself. But I know I'm not the only one who struggles with having done something and then now living with that label. What label do you live with based on what you've done in the past that has been sinful? What label do you live with? What if I tell you the blood of Jesus Christ can do something about removing that label from your life? How many of you would be interested in a solution to removing the labels of our past sin? 18 people, that's awesome. But it's just not the worst thing that we've done that we can label ourselves with. In a room of this size, some of you, you identify with how you've been sinned against. Someone did something bad to you. Someone physically abused you. And now you identify as someone who's just worthless because someone would do that to me. Someone would talk to me in this way. Emotional abuse. Room of this size. Don't take it lightly that the fact that you may be surrounded by people who have had to endure the trauma of sexual abuse. What do you do with that? What if I told you that the blood of Jesus Christ can do something about not only the worst things that you've done, but the worst things that others have done to you? The blood of Jesus Christ has something to say about that. And I'm so thankful because 
with the depth of sin that we've experienced, that we've done against others, how many of you, we need real solutions. We don't need self-help talk. We don't need a a good pick-me-up. I need power. I need blood. You need blood. You need power. Here's my second burden before we get into the text. I hope you pay attention to this because a shallow understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus will limit the depth of our worship. How many of you would say, I want to worship God Almighty at a deeper level? Anybody? I don't want it to only be when my favorite song comes on. I want to have a worship in my heart more times than not. Some of you, and and no condemnation, but some of you, as, as we're singing about the precious blood of Jesus... You're like standing there. And if you don't understand why we're singing, that's fine. But some of you, there's no depth of understanding to what the blood has accomplished for you, so your worship is shallow. But I'm here to tell you that the scriptures are going to reveal to us the depth of the blood of Jesus, the depth of the power of the blood of Jesus, so that we can worship God in a deeper way. How many of you are interested in that this morning? Matthew Henry has some comments on the blood. He says it this way, nothing more destroys the faith of the gospel than by any means to weaken the direct power of the blood of Christ. So I'm here today to put the blood of Jesus on center stage to introduce us, to reintroduce us to the power of the blood. And we're going to be introduced, reintroduced to this power through Romans 3, 23 through 25. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. Romans 3, 23 through 25. And in this text of scripture written by the same apostle Paul who wrote about That first Lord's Supper, he, in this text, is writing a letter to the church of Rome, a place that he longed to visit, a real place in real time, Rome, Italy. How many of you have ever been there before? Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful place. Rome, Italy, real letter, first century. Paul writes this letter to Christians, helping them understand what it means to be a Christian, the gifts of Christianity, And in Romans 3 in particular, he breaks it down. You can study the chapter in its entirety for yourself, Romans 3. But 23 through 25, Paul writes this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Some big, complex terms in that passage. And in the message today, I'm going to lay out, here's my outline. I'm going to talk through these three complex terms, propitiation, redemption, and justification. Help us understand the beauty that is in Jesus Christ's blood. With every single word, we're going to talk about a gift, a gift that is In this word, if we would receive these words by faith and receive what Jesus did for us by faith, we would receive three amazing gifts. 
And after we talk through the gifts, I'm going to share one compelling invitation. For those of you who believe in Jesus in this room, faithful followers of Jesus, there's a one compelling invitation for you. And for those of you, this whole Jesus thing and what are we doing, I don't believe it. The same compelling invitation is going to be for you as well. And so let's jump back into the text to break down these three words. Now, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, before I get to propitiation, sorry, got to just do one more thing here. We got to deal with for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Once heard it said that you won't appreciate the beauty of the good news unless you understand the severity of the bad news. Like a diamond on a black backdrop. Honey, remember? Come on, I took you, honey. I took you to, you remember. We were looking at that five carat. You know I did you right. You know, honey. She looks at her ring today. It's like, where, where is the carrots? I don't see much of anything. But long time ago, times were hard. Um, but why do you put a diamond against a black backdrop? Because only against a black backdrop can you see the diamond's brilliance. And we won't see the beauty of the blood of Jesus Christ unless we put it against the black backdrop of for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news. All of us, we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. How many of you would say, I have fallen short of living in accordance with God's perfect standard? Say amen. 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 It's incredible. Different races, different faces, different languages, different shapes, different sizes, different political leanings, and all of us unite around this thing. It's beautiful. I just feel so warm and fuzzy right now. We all unite around all of us having sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In that way, though we are different in so many ways, we are the same. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, that's a problem because we've sinned against the holy God, an infinitely holy God. John writes about the consequences of this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All of us, having sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, another passage in Romans says, for the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God because of our lying, cheating, stealing, ego, Unbelief, gluttony, addiction, sexual immorality. Because all of us have sinned, there is a wrath, a righteous retribution, a righteous act that God has to pay. And he has to, he has to make us pay for what we've done. That is what is hanging over our lives. Someone say, that's bad news. I'm going to make it worse. Here's what Piper says about this. The greatest peril facing every person in every ethnic group, in every place on earth, and at every time in history is the righteous wrath of God against guilty sinners, leading to everlasting suffering unless God himself rescues us from his own judgment. If you're not a believer in Jesus today, you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You just come because this is your wife's thing. You just come because this is your husband's thing. 
I've just got to be honest with you. There is a time that is coming when Jesus will return. And if you are not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, you will experience the wrath of God and an eternal separation from God. Piper goes on to say, poverty, hunger, disease, war, crime, climate change, addictions, homelessness, ignorance, sex trafficking. These bring great global suffering And they pale in comparison to the peril of being under the wrath of God. They are all tragic, but they're temporary. They may last a lifetime, but the wrath of God lasts forever. So, what does propitiation have to do with the wrath of God? Ed, get to the good news. This is horrible. Propitiation. Propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. How does this solve the problem of God's wrath? I never used that word before. I don't see myself ever saying propitiation. What does that have to do with me? Piper, one more time, breaks it down this way. It refers to the removal of God's wrath by providing a substitute. Someone say removal. That's good news. The substitute is provided by God himself. The substitute, Jesus Christ, does not just cancel the wrath. He absorbs it. Someone say absorbs. And diverts it. Say diverts. Oh, this is good. Remove, absorb, divert it from us to himself. God's wrath is just, and it was spent on Jesus, not withdrawn. On the cross that Jesus died, the wrath I deserve is satisfied. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. How many of you are thankful for a blood that leads to absorbing our wrath? So the first gift then, the first visual I want to share with you is the blood of Jesus is like a sponge like a sponge completely absorbing the wrath of God, leaving God bankrupt of wrath towards you and I when our faith is in Jesus Christ, completely absorbing the wrath. You know, I don't know about you, but I can't afford those um, thick paper towels. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I got those thin ones, and so when you put it over the juice, it just crumbles, right, and it's just like... Give me a whole roll and finally. But I'm looking around. I see some of you, 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 you afford those thick ones. And like the commercial, you just wipe it over once and it's all clean. I, I want to get to your level one day. But when it comes to our sin, Jesus on that cross and through his blood absorbs all the wrath. So what am I saying? I don't know why my wife and I God and his sovereignty chose that we would not be able to have children of our own. I don't know why, but here's what I do know. It's not because of our sin. Why? Because if we are being punished for our sin, that would mean that God's punishment of Jesus on the cross was insufficient. But what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. That's good news. I don't have to worry 
about being punished by God because of my sin because Jesus was already punished. Finally and fully already punished. Now, I do have to say a couple things around this. Just because there's no punishment from God because he punished Jesus in totality, there's no vertical punishment from God. There's still horizontal consequences to sin. Come on, somebody. Like, if Chris Rock would have slapped Will Smith back, If he would have slapped Will Smith back, he couldn't be God. Why are you punishing me? No, that's not God's punishment. That's horizontal consequence for sinning against someone else. Someone say amen. amen. If you have trouble in your finances, you can't get a loan, things are hard, but it's because you mishandled your finances in previous years, God's not punishing you. That's just the credit system working against you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you sinned against your family and haven't reconciled or asked for forgiveness and now you're at odds with your family, that's not God punishing you. That is horizontal consequence for sin. Do you see the difference? There's no angry wrath coming from God. That's not what it is. That's just... Life, that's sinful people responding to sinful people. Now, here's the other thing. There's no vertical wrath from God, but the scripture says God disciplines those whom he loves. So discipline is a thing, but discipline is not some angry wrath. Discipline is loving correction to put us on the right path. Last thing I'll say about this is you think about what is the thing that you fear God, less fear of God, more peace can you see how if we understood propitiation, less fear, more peace? Because some of us walk around and we wonder, when's the hammer going to fall? Come on, some of you, you, you were scared of walking in here today. <laughs> Wednesday, is the hammer going to fall today? Is my wife going to find out today? Am I going to get exposed today? Are the kids going to find out today? Are the creditors going to find out today? When is the hammer of God going to fall? And I just got to tell you, the hammer of God already fell. It fell on the nails that went through the wrists of Jesus. And so because it fell on the wrist, nails that went through the wrists of Jesus, we don't have to fear the hammer falling. Instead, we can be at peace with God every single day of our lives. How many of you are thankful for the blood? Thankful for the blood. But wait, there's more. If you order in the next 15 minutes, I'll throw in redemption. This is such good news. I, we could have sang another song after the sponge. But there's more. Look at the text. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And you might say, but redemption, I don't see that connected to the blood. I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at Ephesians. We, in him, we have redemption through what? His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Not only does God absorb the wrath, Talk about redemption in just a moment, but we're forgiven. We're released from the penalty of having to pay it back. Come on, somebody. 
I know there's different opinions on school loans and whether people should pay them off or have them paid off, but let me just tell you, if my student loans were forgiven, <laughs> this is what I wouldn't do. Still try to pay them back after they were forgiven. <laughs> and some of us, faithful followers of Jesus, we find ourselves trying to pay God back even though we are forgiven of all of our sins. How many of you are thankful your sins have been forgiven? <laughs> Praise God. Let's see one more passage talking about redemption and blood. For you know that it was not with par perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, Keep that in mind, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Something to do with blood and redemption and forgiveness. So what is this word redemption? What is the gift that we get from the word redemption? One commentary puts it this way. The believer's redemption is presented as the fulfillment of a new exodus prophesied in the Old Testament. In other words, the redemption Christians receive is the fulfillment of what was typified when Israel was redeemed from Egypt. Many of you are familiar. The Israelites, God's chosen people, they were under slavery 400 years under Egyptian rule. Then God set Moses to set them free. And in the same way that God used Moses to set the people free from their Slavery under Egypt, God sent Jesus to set us free from the slavery of our sins and to our sins. You don't have to be a slave to that besetting sin any longer, friend. You could be set free. That thing that shackles you, that chains you, that has you messing up over and over again, feeling guilty before God. How many of you are thankful that the blood, in the blood, you could be set free from these things? They don't have to define who you are. You could be set free from anger. You could be set free from jealousy. You could be set free from addiction. You could be set free. So what's the picture? Like a key. Like a key. The blood of Jesus, it frees us from the shackles of the sins in our life, the inherited patterns of sin. That verse in Peter talked about the way your ancestors handed down sin. How many of you find yourself sinning like your mom? Come on, somebody. Man, my dad used to do this. It used to make me angry and hurt people, and now I'm doing what my daddy does generational sin is a thing friends how many of you would say i want to be set free from the generations of sin from my past the redemption of jesus has something to say about that you can be set free talked about being sinned against how many of you are thankful that through the blood of jesus christ you can be set free from the worst sin that has ever been committed against you. That the worst sin that has ever been committed against you, it doesn't mean you pretend like it didn't happen. Doesn't mean like you forget. 
It just means you don't label yourself as that sin. That's not the primary way you identify with who you are. Instead of identifying with the worst thing that someone ever did to you, you identify with the best thing that Jesus ever did for all of us. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. You can be set free. What's the implication of this? Simply less bondage to sin, more freedom from sin. There's nothing in the world that can free us from these sins like the blood of Jesus Christ. You're searching, you're looking. Christian or non-Christian, follower or non-follower, I'm telling you right now, the power is in the blood. And if you sign up today, there's one more gift I'm going to throw in. Justification. Justification. My favorite. Let's go to the text one more time. And are justified by his grace as a gift. If you thought absorbing the wrath of God was good, if you thought having, being able to be set free from our sin and the sins of others against us, one more gift. It's the gift of justification. And you would say, where is that in connection to the blood? Glad you asked. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his what? His blood. Do you see why we get so excited about the blood? It's all about the blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he writes it this way. He who knew no sin, Jesus who knew no sin, 33 and a half years of a sinless life, he who knew no sin became sin. He became our lying. He became our cheating. He became our stealing. He became our unbelief on the cross. That's why God had to, and I don't understand it all. You can ask Pastor Travis or Trenton, he, he knows. He had to turn his back on Jesus. They had perfect intimacy from eternity past. And Jesus screams out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake Jesus on that cross? Because Jesus in that moment was becoming our sin. He who knew no sin became sin. So that's the first thing. Our sin went to him. But the second, verse, second part of the verse is the best. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. He got our sin. We got 33 and a half years of his righteous life credited to us. No, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. 33 and a half years of Jesus' perfect life is credited to us by faith in Jesus. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says this, our justification means not only that our sins are forgiven and that we have been declared to be righteous by God himself, not merely that we were righteous at the moment when we believed, but permanently righteous. How many of you want some permanent righteousness? I know I do. I mean, if you left here and you tried to be righteous for as long as you could, none of us would last two hours. <laughs> and right now, if you thought in your heart, yes, I could, that's called pride, and you're out. You're out. You lost the game. 
For justification means this also, that we are given by God the positive righteousness of his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, to have relationship with God, two things need to happen. Yes, we need to be forgiven of our sin, but we also need righteousness to have access to a holy and righteous God. So, the final gift. The blood of Jesus Christ, like a gavel in the hands of a judge, declares us righteous in the courtroom of Almighty God. The blood of Jesus Christ, like a gavel once and for all, says righteous. Finally, fully. What's the implication of this? Less striving. Less striving. More rest. How many of you want to get off the treadmill, the roller coaster of he loves me, he loves me not, God loves me, God loves me not? You ever been there before? I read my Bible, he must love me. I didn't cuss this week, he loves me not. All right, he loves me, he loves whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. The good things means he loves me, the bad things means he loves me not. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous, so now when God looks down on you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. So what's his eternal declaration over your life? This is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you are as loved today as you ever will be by God. There's no amount of right doing, obedience that could make God love you anymore because in Jesus, you are clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus, declared once and for all righteous. One compelling invitation as I close. One compelling invitation. Receive it as a gift. Let's look at the final part of the verse. To be received by faith as a gift. It's a gift to be received by faith. How do you get in on this? I'm joking around with, oh, buy now, buy today. How do you? It's faith. It's faith. It's faith to believe. Let's put the summary of all the words up on the screen. Faith to believe that through what Jesus has done, you can have less fear of God and more peace with God because of propitiation. You just got to believe that Jesus did actually absorb the wrath for the vilest thing that you've ever done. You just believe and you could be at peace with God. You just believe that through the doctrine of redemption that you can be set free from that pattern of anger, from that pattern of jealousy, whatever that pattern is. You could be set free. You could be set free of the consequences and the, the thinking and the labeling of what someone has done to you. Someone maybe walked out on you. Dad, mom, loved one. And so you, you are in chains to I'm not loved, I'm not worth it, I don't deserve. Some of you are bound to the addictions from your past. Maybe you're currently find yourself, God, I can't get away from this addiction. 
you could be set free. Believe that I don't have to strive. I don't have to get it right. Because in Jesus, I'm just. I'm declared righteous. What would your life be like? How could your following of Jesus be transformed? If in a fresh way you applied the blood of Jesus to your life. Just in a moment of reflection. Where do you need to, in a fresh way, apply the power of the blood to your life? Do you need to remind yourself that that thing has been absorbed by Jesus? The wrath of God has been absorbed. Maybe something you did this week, something you did last night, Saturday night, Las Vegas. Some of you gotten into some trouble last night. And you need some propitiation in your life. Someone say amen. You need to believe again that you could be set free. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Where do you need to live in the freedom that comes from knowing I'm I'm righteous? Where are you striving, friend? Where do you need to stop striving? Would you bow your head? Heavenly Father, I know this message can land in a lot of different places. So I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we prepare to remember you, God, would you just... Apply the blood of Jesus to our lives wherever it needs to be applied. Cleanse us with your blood, Lord. Help us to feel the forgiveness that we have through your blood, Lord. Help us to feel and know and experience anew the freedom from sin that we have because of your blood, Lord. And as we... Prepare to take these elements now. God, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would just move in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Okay, in just a few moments, our team is gonna sing a song over our lives. A song of remembrance. A song rehearsing the truths of what God accomplished for us on the cross through Jesus Christ. And as the elements are passed out, here are a few things I want you to think about. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us to examine ourselves. Before we take of the Lord's Supper, we're to examine ourselves. If you have any unconfessed sin, that as this song is playing, you would just sit there with the elements in your hand and you would just say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Just ask God, may the power of your blood wash over me. We're instructed to also make sure that we're not at odds with a brother or a sister in the faith. So many of you, you're sitting next to loved ones. 
And if there's ways in which you've sinned against someone right around you, you might need to lean over and just say, I'm sorry. Before I take of the, the bread and the juice, I need to just say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Make things right with your wife. Make things right with your husband, with your children. And if you're not a believer in this place, if you would say, man, there's been a lot, a lot to think about, but I just don't believe it. I'd say, please don't take of the juice and the bread like you don't believe it. But if you're here and up until this point, you said, man, I, I didn't believe it, but man, I, I need myself a sponge. I need myself a key to set me free. I need myself some gift righteousness if for the very first time you want to place your faith on Jesus' finishes, finished work on your behalf, feel free to take those communion elements and for the very first time, declare Jesus as Lord. You can do that in this place. So as the song is sung, just invite you to sit, to contemplate. Don't take of the elements. I'll come back and lead us through that time. Holy Spirit of God, move now in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.